All right, today we are going to be in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 again this morning. I thought about doing a Christmas message, but I decided against it <laughs> because, because, I already, because I already did all the work on this one. So why, why reinvent the wheel? All right, so we're in, uh, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2 today. If we haven't met yet, I'm Mitch, I'm part of the part of the teaching team here at Oaks. Um, and yeah, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And just in case, um, you know, you're new or you've forgotten, uh, I'm going to be up here once um, once a month uh, for the foreseeable future. And for my times of preaching, at least, we're going to be going through the book of uh, 2 Timothy. And like, but as I'm throwing it out there for any of you who are preaching in the future, please feel free to pick up you know, one of these sermons in Second Timothy, if, uh, if you'd like. But part of it is, you know, I like, and as you all know, uh, we all like working through a book of the Bible because we can build context around it. We can understand what's happening thematically. We can understand sort of what's going on. And also, you guys can hold me accountable that I'm not just like pulling something out of the out of the air and just preaching a sermon that I just feel like preaching um, at any given moment. Um, and also it gives me the ability to, to slow down a little bit in the text instead of just cons- having to build all of this context on the front end of the sermon and then being able to only give you a couple points. Uh, so we're in 2 Timothy um, chapter 2 today. And then one of the things that, so here's what we're going to do, just, just for an awareness type of thing. We're going to read the text, we're going to pray, then I have two things that we're going to pull um, out of the text today. I'm out of Second Timothy, um, but the other thing that I'm going to start doing during this this particular series is instead of just reading the text itself, um, I'm going to start at the beginning of Second Timothy, and I'm going to read all the way through the text um, that we're going to go through today. And I think there that's I think it's helpful for two reasons. Um, one, obviously, we're not in this every week, so it's it helps me help you to understand what's going on in the text because then you. You're just you're seeing it and you're understanding it. And we're reading it together, um, and two, like I don't think that there's any downside to the public reading of God's word. I think that there's there's a lot of places in the world and people in the world that do not have the privilege of being able to stand up and read the Bible out loud um, without fear of persecution um, or of suffering. And I think that that's something that we often can take for granted. Uh, in our day-to-day lives. And I think that, you know, anytime that we can read scripture out loud, anytime that we can hear scripture read over us and to us, I think it's valuable. Um, And it's sort of the same, you kind of get the same experience too of what the early church would have been doing. Like they weren't literate in the same way that we're literate. And these letters would have been read very much like we're reading them today out loud in a room or in a synagogue. And you would kind of hear it and understand it that way. So, for 2 Timothy, we're going to start at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to run all the way through. I'm going to read through 13. I bit off way more than I could chew in the, my sermon-like text. So if you look at the back of your bulletin or whatever, just scratch it, just write part 1 you know, next to that. Because literally, I'm only going to cover verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. <clears throat> I thought I was going to go through verse 13, and I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> all right. 2 Timothy chapter one, we're going to read, pray, and then we will dive into a couple things. All right, Second Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer why I do, or as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are all aware that you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Philagius and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to, to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Chapter 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you for all that you've done um, in our lives, all that you are doing in our lives and what you will do in our lives. Lord, we thank you for this time of year where we get to reflect upon um, the beauty and the, the, the amazing work that it is that you came to live the life that we couldn't live, that you came as a child, that you came as a baby, you came um, to become one of us uh, so that we, God, could spend eternity with you. Lord, I just pray that you would give um, us wisdom and insight into your word today. God, I pray that you would, um, you would allow us, our hearts and our minds, God, to be open to what you have for us. God, we know that each and every one of us here 
Lord, that you, you care about each and every one of us. Each and every one of us has something today that you want to do in, in us and through us. So God, I pray that you would open us up to that, God, that we wouldn't see this text and this time as something for someone else. But God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and understanding in, in what you have for us from your word. Holy Spirit, be here with us, be in our hearts, empower us to be able to understand, and God, empower us to be transformed. We love you, and we ask these things in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, second, like I said, Second Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to, like, obviously I read through 13, but we're, gonna, we're really going to hover in verses 1 and 2 today. Um, so, just, again, quick background, just from a context perspective. This was Paul's last letter that he wrote. It was written to Timothy, and this is sort of an apostolic, like, transition sort of letter. So Timothy was his protege. He was leading the church in Ephesus, and Paul was in prison. He was about to be executed. So what Paul is doing here is Paul is kind of giving his last will and testament to Timothy and giving him some instructions of what it looks like for Timothy to go on into the future and being entrusted with the gospel being entrusted with what has been given to him. So he's encouraging Timothy, and but he's not only encouraging Timothy of what to do, but he's always encouraging Timothy to remember who he is. Because who we are always becomes, or who we are always comes before what we do. You can see it consistently throughout scripture. Paul always sets the baseline of, this is who you are in Christ, therefore do these things. So we saw that earlier on where, where he was saying, um, we, we see that earlier on that like God gave, God gave him a spirit of uh, not a fear, but of power and a love self-control. So therefore he was able to be able, be, he was able to not fear because so for what God had given Timothy, God gave Timothy what he needed to empower him to do what he did. Sorry, I messed that up. God always gives us what we need to do what he calls us to do. It's just, it's, it's always there. And on the highest level of this, if you want to just zoom way out, God calls us to salvation, but he doesn't call us to salvation without giving us the means for salvation. He doesn't say, hey, you need to follow the law and be perfect. Good luck. He says, you need to follow the law and you need to be perfect as I am perfect. I'm going to send my son to be perfect for you so that you can be perfect like, be perfect like me. So there's always this identity piece that lives in here, and there's a consistent push by Paul and other New Testament writers pointing to God as the source of our power, as the source of our strength, as the source of our energy, as the source of our salvation in order to do what the Lord calls us to do. Because we are saved by grace through faith, not by our works, so that we, so we don't boast but instead so that God can have the glory in the church and into eternity that he took wretched sinners and he turned them into glorious saints. So chapter two begins with Paul reminding Timothy of where his strength comes from before he instructs him on how to guard the gospel. So we're gonna sort of frame this this week and then even next month as Timothy is called to guard the gospel. So the first point that I have is that Timothy guards the gospel by the grace of of God. Because Tim, like as we even just read through here, Paul is consistently saying, guard the good deposit I have that has been entrusted to you. Guard this. 
guard it. He's consistently saying it is your job, Timothy, to make sure that this sound doctrine, that the gospel of Jesus Christ moves forward, not only in your own life, but in the lives of the people that you are ministering to. So Paul starts things off in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So if you can see the you then right there, some of your translations will actually have therefore there. And and obviously, as we've sort of talked about and joke about, whenever you see therefore, you have to, in in this text, you have to ask, what's it there for? It's usually connecting two pieces together. So Paul, everything in chapter 1 has led up to this moment in chapter 2 where he says, you then, because of who you are, because of what you've done, because of what God has done for you, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Now, I didn't cover this section last week, but so we'll just briefly talk about it, 15 through 18. Paul Paul comes off this, this sort of like lament of all of these people that have left him. So you see that it's like, Hermogenes and Philogist, like they both abandoned him at the moment of weakness. And so he's encouraging Timothy to stay faithful and to share in suffering rather than running from it. And so Paul laments these people that have run from the suffering that's in the gospel. So because you see, following Jesus is easy when all that's expected of you is to say the sinner's prayer and keep your nose clean. Like... Yeah, following Jesus is really easy if, like, you know, all you have to do is just live your best life. All you have to do is just be kind to one another. If all that you have to do is just be able to say, is, is say the words, go to the places, do some of the things that aren't as bad as other things, it's easy to follow Jesus when, those are, when, it's, when it's like that. It's not easy to follow Jesus when you're a social outcast. It's not easy to follow Jesus when you're being physically beaten. It's not easy to follow Jesus when suffering actually comes. And so Paul's friends had left them, left him in the midst of that because suffering came. And the temptation for Timothy in this particular situation is not to leave Paul, but the temptation for Timothy here is to change the gospel so that he doesn't have to suffer. Because, again, Culturally, if you tell people, hey, following Jesus is going, to ma- is going to satisfy you and bring you happiness and joy, following Jesus is going to fill all of the needs that you have, like that's a pretty palatable gospel. It's a pretty palatable thing. And it's, you know what's crazy about it? It's not untrue. It's just a part of it. The gospel that we offer to people needs to be a gospel that says, yes, Jesus is the most satisfying thing. But in order for you to access that satisfaction, you have to repent of your sins and you have to turn from them. And that repentance and turning piece of it is the unpopular part of the gospel that is very easy for us to leave out. Because who doesn't want, you know, sweet Jesus, meek and mild, compassionate, wonderful, sweet? Nobody's going to say no to that. I mean, the world uses Jesus as a you know, the, the pieces of Jesus that they like to criticize even Christians that want to preach repentance. They say, well, Jesus was compassionate and Jesus didn't judge people. So, well, actually, Jesus didn't 
Jesus does judge people and he will judge people and you may be one of those people that he's judging. So there's, there's this element here where suffering is a part of what's going on in not only in the lives of Christians, but in the lives of Christians then and it will be in the lives of Christians moving forward. But Paul says to Timothy in the, that because in the face of suffering, because we're going to see that in verse 3 next, next time, Paul says to Timothy, be strengthened. Now, what's interesting about this verb is the tense. Now, I don't usually spend time diving into like the tenses of Greek verbs or whatever because it's way above my pay grade. But when you look at, even just look at that, it's called a passive imperative. It's a passive imperative. So everybody knows what an imperative is. An imperative is an instruction. It's we, we often say indicatives are always, they always precede imperatives. Have you guys heard that before? Maybe not, but I've heard it. That's indicatives preceding imperatives is basically what we talked about of like who you are always comes before what you do. So like an indicative is something that's, that's true about you. Like, and then an imperative is like something, hey, go do this. So if it says, it's kind of like, hey, go love one another. That's an, that's an imperative. But the indicative is because you've been loved by God, go love one another. So the indicative always comes before the imperative. The, what God has done always comes before what we do. So this here is an imperative, but it's a passive imperative. It's a be, it says be strengthened. So what Paul is telling Timothy here is he's telling him to do something that he can't do without somebody else. So here's an example of a passive imperative. If I said, hey, go be carried across the street, you have to go find somebody to pick you up and carry you. Like, I've given you something to do. Hey, I need you to be carried. So, okay, that's, that's great. Like, I, how the heck am I supposed to do that? I can't do it by myself. You're right, you can't. You have to find somebody else's arms to lay in for them to carry you across the street. It's the same thing here. Be strengthened. Paul is telling Timothy to be strengthened with something that is outside of himself. He doesn't say to be strong by yourself. He doesn't say be, he doesn't say go work harder, go be a better person, go just have more grit, suck it up. But he says be strengthened. And he says be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy tells, Timothy is told to be strengthened by the grace and Paul is reminding Timothy that the source of his strength and the source of his power is not found deep inside of himself. He doesn't have to draw from this inner well of strength in order to accomplish his mission. Paul doesn't say to Timothy that he has more than enough strength and more than enough power to win. He doesn't even tell Timothy to be strong in and of himself. He tells him to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this isn't the only time that Paul uses this verb tense. I want to show you a couple, more, a couple more spots in Scripture where Paul uses this tense of being strengthened by someone else. And here's why I think this is important. Why I'm going to take, we're going to, we're, we're going to jump to Ephesians and then we're also going to jump to Colossians. Because the t- my tendency is to be strengthened by my own strength. Like, that's my tendency. My tendency is when God says, be strengthened, I say, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to create better systems. I'm going to make sure that I can do the work that God called me to do. 
That's my tendency. And I think that's, that can be some of our tendencies in the room that when we walk into suffering, when we walk into pain, when we walk into sin, when we walk into failure, our response is not to be strengthened by the grace and power of God, but rather our tendency t- can be for us to lean on ourselves. It, our tendency can be to, to rely upon our own power. And what that does is it creates a really bad spiral of maybe some success, a lot of failure, maybe some success, a lot of failure, maybe some success, a lot of failure. And then we were like, what the heck, God? I can't do this. Why are you calling? Why, why have you given me such a hard task? It's like, because you're relying on your own strength and not the strength that God provides. So let's go ahead and jump over to Ephesians chapter three. I wanna show you this in Ephesians chapter three, this idea of being strengthened. To your left, if you can't remember where it sits, just remember General General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's a very easy way to remember where those letters sit next to one another in the Bible. General Electric Power Company. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 14. Because I want to show you a little bit about Paul's encouragement of being strengthened by the gospel. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to what? Be strengthened. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to, to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul's encouragement here to the, to the Ephesians is his prayer for the Ephesians is not that you guys would, be, would just be stronger people, that you guys would just get your stuff together, that you would, you know, manage your time a little more, that you'd stop being on Instagram as much as you are, that you'd stop binging those shows on Netflix that, you know, don't add any value to your life whatsoever. Like, he's not saying that. He says... For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on earth is named, that according to the riches of God's glory, so this is, a, this is because of God, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you, so again, third party, God's glory is going to grant to us, what? The ability to be strengthened. To be strengthened with what? To be strengthened with God's power through God's spirit in our hearts. The work that needs to be done in each and every one of our hearts, for sure, we have to engage with it, but it is done by God and it is done for God's glory. And if you even just go even further, I'm not, I just shouldn't, I should have just picked Ephesians 3 as my text, I guess, today. But if you, if you even go further, like verse 17, he says, so you're going to be 
strengthened with power through your spirit. And he says, so that. So he's connecting these two things together. He says, so that what? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have what? Strength. Christ's dwelling in our hearts through faith. Being rooted and grounding in the, grounded in the love that Christ has for us. That we may have strength. Because God is the one who gives us the strength to do what he calls us to do. Period. End of story. Let's just jump over really quickly over to Ephesians chapter 6, just starting in verse 10. Just to illustrate this one more, and then I've got one in Colossians 2, which is my favorite. Verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Now, this verb here in the ESV is rendered as be strong, but it's the same word. It's the same verb. It's be strengthened. So finally, be str- it's, they, they render it here because it's, it flows a little better in terms of the way that, that you talk, uh, you, it actually reads. But he says, finally, so just like tapping off the whole book of, of Ephesians here, he says, finally, be strong. So it's be strengthened. It's a passive imperative. Be strengthened in what? In yourself? In the Lord. Be strengthened in what? In the Lord. So it's who gives it to you? God. Who God is and what he has done equals who we are and what we do. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His. So not only is God going to strengthen us by just being in him, being rooted and grounded in him, but we are then strengthened by his might, his power, his ability to execute and to get things done in and through us. So the sin that we have in our hearts, the sin that clings so closely, the sins that we struggle with, the addictions that we cannot overcome, it's not our strength that we rely on to overcome those things. It's not. And it will not be your strength that you need to rely on when suffering enters into your life. It's not going to be it. It's not going to be enough. I can tell you firsthand, it's not going to be enough. I've tried to, I've tried to white knuckle and compartmentalize my way through suffering a lot of my life. And all it does is it destroys me inside. That's all it does. Until I can get to a point where I realize that the power and the grace and the mercy and the love of God is what allows me to walk through suffering well, I am just going to continue to lose my hair. I'm going to continue to be very frustrated and I'm going to continue to be very angry at what honestly, at God for not doing what he said he was going to do when really I'm not relying on him to do it. I should be mad at myself for not doing what what I'm supposed to do because I'm leaning on myself to do it. And lastly, let's turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Remember General Electric Power Company. Colossians is the last one there. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 9 here. We're just going to take a little tour of Paul's prayers through the New Testament. Verse 9 of Colossians, chapter 1. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So, I mean, just another indicative imperative thing here. He says, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's praying that God would fill these people with himself. He's, he's, he's praying. He's praying, God, fill these people with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Verse 10. So you can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. God will empower you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel when we are strengthened by him. Verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You see, may you be strengthened with all power according to whose might? God's. For what? For all endurance, for all patience, for all patience with joy. These things that we aspire to, these things that we want to be inside of us, I want to be patient, I want to endure well, I want to suffer well. Guess where that strength comes from? comes from the power and the strength of his might. I want, in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. And then he, then he rolls right into it where he, where he says, this, again, this is what God has done for us. He just always brings it back to it. I just can't get past it. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. So God has done the qualification so that we can share in the inheritance Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I mean, this is a great little, this is a great little text here. You want to know what God has done for you? He has qualified you to share in the inheritance. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness. He has transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has given you redemption. And he has given you the forgiveness of sins. There are five things here in verse 12, 13, and 14 of Colossians chapter 1 that God has done for you and that now you are. You're qualified. That is who you are now. You have, you're delivered. That's an identity thing. Like you have been delivered. You are a delivered person from the domain of darkness. You have been transferred to the kingdom of the Son. You are redeemed and you are forgiven. And if we can grab onto those things and allow those things to be a part of who we are and a part of how we operate and the part of how we actually live our lives, how much different would our lives look? How much different would our relationships look? How much, how much different would our kids look? Being able to grab a hold of the strength of God's might and the strength of God's power is really the thing that we need to grab a hold. We just need to grab a hold of that. We need to understand it. We need to allow it to become part of who we are. So God, so Paul calls Timothy to be strengthened by the grace and the power of God. And we also are called to be strengthened by the grace and the power and the mercy of God. So the beauty of the gospel that is being presented here 
is that we are freed up from the hamster wheel of needing to be strong enough. Christ came and he died and he fulfilled the law for us because we couldn't. He came and he lived the life that we could not live. He lived a perfect, sinless life, the the one that we couldn't do. He died the death that we deserved a thousand times, a thousand times over. He came and he died and he rose again to life so we could live eternally. So some of you today, myself included, are worn out or exhausted. It's taking everything in us to even be here today. Life seems to be falling apart. Things don't seem to be going well. Relationships are crumbling around you. Sickness is taking over your family or your your friends. But the good news is today that we don't have to, to bear all of that through our own strength. We don't have to do it we are able to be strengthened by the power of God's might. That we are able to be empowered by the one who is all powerful. We can look to the grace that has been given to us and we can be strengthened by it. So, I mean, if you're here today and you've never experienced the strength that God provides, and if you're here and you've been living your life out of your own power and strength, This power of God is available to you today. In turning from our sin and entrusting in him, we can find life, we can find freedom, and we can find joy. So as as we close, as we move into a time of communion, as we move into a time of remembrance of what Christ has done for us, um, just a really interesting time of year to be celebrating all of these things together. You know, you've got the celebration of Christ coming to earth. And then we're also going to reflect on Christ's, where Christ ends up after coming to earth, he, he comes to die. That God, God eternal, the one who created the stars, the one that knows every single one by name, that knows every hair on our head, who has chosen us beyond the, before the foundations of the world, that he providentially walk, walks and works through us in our lives that that God came, humbled himself into the form of a servant. He came as a child, as a vulnerable infant to live life in a sinful world, but live it sinlessly. Not because he just wanted to see if he could do it, but because he wanted us to be able to experience the same life that he had. So as we take some time now, we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sing as we take communion, Let's make sure that we, we reflect upon not only Christ coming to earth, not only Christ dying for our sins, but let's reflect on what Christ has done for us and, and who he has made us. It's not an easy thing to just be strengthened. It's very, very abstract. I encourage you. I'm, I mean, I'm going to do this walking away. These three texts that we went to, that the special, specifically Ephesians chapter three and Colossians chapter one, write those things down on a note card and pray that prayer for yourself. Say, Lord, help me be strengthened by the power of your might. Lord, strengthen me to endure with all patience and joy. Because God is faithful to answer those prayers because those prayers are 100% in line with what? he has 
for us. So let's pray. We're going to go into a time of communion. We're going to worship together through our taking of communion and through some more singing. Um, and if I'm, I will probably cover this, but if you like, this is a good time to also like roll over in your mind and to repent of your sin. Because we all have things. And we want to approach the throne of Gary, the, the throne, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because Christ has died for us. But we, it doesn't just happen. We have to engage with him and repent of our sin and turn from it so that we can have life. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability for us to be here and to read it and to enjoy it and to be transformed by it, to be shaped by it. I pray that God, that we would be strengthened in all power according to your glorious might. God, that you would help us not rely on ourselves, but rely on you. And that your name would be glorified in all that we do and say this Christmas season. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. We ask these things in your beautiful name.